The climate world is full of new, exciting technologies. The space is booming. Over the past six years, venture capital funding in climate tech has increased by more than 500%, reaching $56 billion in the U.S. One of these technologies, which has the potential to revolutionize both the climate space and many other industries, is quantum computing. Quantum computing, even the term seems difficult to understand, but we at Operation Climate, a team of nerds, and our guest for this episode, Tanisha Bassan, are here to break it down for you. What is quantum computing? How can it revolutionize the climate space and help us fight global warming? And what will it take for us to get there? Welcome to another episode of Operation Climate. My name is Catherine, and I'll be guiding you throughout this episode. Fun fact, this episode was produced by two of our wonderful Operation Climate High School interns, Srina and Sonia. Our guest for today's episode is Tanisha Bassan. I'm Tanisha from the University of Toronto. I study physics. She won the Young Innovators to Watch Award in 2019 from CES for her work in quantum machine learning. At just 18 years old, she won this award for using IBM's Qiskit software to classify a large data set of breast cancer images to determine if cells were cancerous. So she is the perfect person to help us learn about quantum computing. First, let's break down what quantum computing actually means. When you use the word quantum, it means you're dealing with the tiniest subcomponent of some phenomenon. For example, the quantum of electricity is an electron. The quantum of light is a photon. Quantum theory then describes the behavior of these tiny subatomic particles. Quantum mechanics describes the motion and interaction of these tiny subatomic particles. Quantum computing operates using quantum mechanics to solve really hard problems. Tanisha has a really great analogy for understanding this. So broadly speaking, quantum computing is just a way to do computation that's very different from how we're used to with our classical devices. These are our iPhones, our laptop. Quantum computing uses physics and computer science to build actually a hardware technology that solves very different problems than the problems that our classical computers solve. Our classical computers allow us to do amazing things like be connected on the internet, but there are certain types of problems that no matter how many supercomputers you have just cannot be solved classically. And that's where quantum computing comes in. It actually looks into what, like building a device that can solve these problems that are impossible to solve on classical computers. I can give an analogy. Imagine you're in a library and this library is almost infinite. It's not infinite, but it's almost infinite. So it's very large and you have tons of books in that library and, and you have a, a task. I go into that library and I flip to one random page in a random book and I mark an X on it and I tell a classical computer and a quantum computer both to go and find me that page that I marked. So a classical computer, no matter how fast it can, it can do this, this, problem. If the library is large enough, it still has to go through every single page of every single book one at a time. And if the library is large enough, this could be 
a really hard problem to solve because it becomes, it scales exponentially, you know? But with a quantum computer, using quantum mechanics, which is a field of physics that is interested in looking at how subatomic particles or very, very small things like electrons or photons, light, interact with the world. So you leverage quantum mechanics to solve this problem. And using quantum computing, you can actually look at every single page of every single book at the exact same time and solve an exponentially hard problem that you weren't able to solve before. That's why quantum computers are important and excite me because there's a lot of exponentially hard problems out in the world that we can't currently solve. I'm sure you've come across like the the biggest one is uh, trying to do chemistry, trying to do chemistry simulations. Someone has cancer and you're trying to find like what is the best medication? How do we cure this specific tumor? I mean, it takes 12 plus years of clinical trials just to develop one medication. But imagine we could have a device where this very complicated tumor could be simulated down to its every like bit and atom and and you could like simulate and test so like multiple different types of like complicated medications and figure out like is there a way to potentially solve this really really hard problem which is like potentially solving this one type of cancer. So quantum computing just uses a branch of physics called quantum mechanics to do these really cool things and solve really hard problems. Like Tanisha laid out, quantum computing has the potential to solve a ton of really difficult problems. In 2019, Google announced that its quantum computer was able to perform a computation in 200 seconds, which would have taken the world's fastest supercomputer 10,000 years to perform. Side note, IBM was like, no, Google, you're wrong. Our supercomputer would take 2.5 days to compute this. Okay, which that's much better than 10,000 years, but 200 seconds versus 2.5 days is still over a thousand times faster. So there are cool developments happening, but how exactly does this impact climate change? I brought up the drug discovery example, and you can kind of classify it into this subset of like being able to do simulations, like, like real time, like simulations of nature on a device a quantum computer. And that can enable us to kind of simulate anything that you really, really want, right? So for me, like, I was like, oh, could we simulate the entire human brain down to its every neuron, down to its every chemical reaction? And could we potentially find where consciousness comes from? And, and uh, you know, we still don't understand the human genome. And there's like so much data encoded in our genome alone. Could you, could we have a device that could potentially simulate all of that? So when people think about the problems in climate change, how do we discover a new type of bioplastic that degrades in nature? Could we use a quantum computer to simulate like a bunch of new chemistry that we maybe would take years and years to develop in a lab, right? And try to discover like new types of materials. Anything that you think you can map into like a simulation problem could be like an application for climate change. Here's an example. If quantum computing can revolutionize chemistry by simulating chemical reactions, that has a ton of applications for climate solutions. What chemical composition will give us more efficient electric batteries? What electrolytes do we need to reduce the cost of carbon capture? Right now, these questions are answered by hardworking researchers in labs who have to test thousands of chemical combinations and materials. If we could simulate this, imagine how fast climate-friendly tech could scale. 
It's nice to imagine a world where we have access to these fancy quantum computers that could solve all of our problems, but truthfully, we have a long way to go. I think the, the biggest hurdle quantum computing will face and is currently facing is actually being able to scale up their hardware. That will take years and years of research and like really amazing bright scientists to come together and, and build a quantum computer that has enough compute power to do some of the things that, you know, it's been promised to do. The other hurdle we're facing right now is quantum computing is definitely becoming a sort of technology that tech companies or companies are trying to get interested in, banks are getting interested in, they're trying to put money into it and, and fund it and see where it goes. But, you know, it might not actually produce any money or results. Like a bank is like, all right, we'll, uh, you know, buy a quantum computer and like try to do our experiments to hopefully achieve an outcome. That outcome might not be actualized until way later. So one thing, I guess, that could be important is like really driving home the narrative that first and foremost, this industry is very research based. So there's lots of research hurdles to, to accomplish before it can really start making money for people or for companies or industries. If the funding and, and like the, the hype around quantum computing dies out in the next 10, 15 years and, and we don't have the, enough talent, enough resources to kind of fund the research, I think that definitely be a, a big hurdle. We need more people in the field to be doing like the, the the science and the research. The last thing that would be really important to push this field forward is actually uh, people developing the right types of algorithms and, and the types of programs that you should be able to run on a quantum computer in 10 to 15 years that can actually solve these problems. So that is also a field of research, like trying to discover new quantum algorithms. So like Tanisha said, we need a lot more time, money, and resources invested into quantum computing so that the hardware and algorithms can develop into a way in which we can actually solve these really complex problems in the climate space and other fields too. So I asked Tanisha if she were to pitch a quantum computing technology to a billionaire who really wanted to make an impact on climate change. What would she say? More money being funded towards quantum computing means money being put and resource allocated towards building better quantum computers that eventually will lead to solving like a climate problem. So I guess the way I would pitch it is like, hey, you know, like you have all of this money. Here's a device that if when when we have it developed to a certain stage, we'll be able to solve some of the most pressing problems that we've ever encountered. And right now, it's taking a lot of time because it's still new. It's very research heavy, but we need more bright, brilliant people to be working in this field. We need more money. We need more resources to invest into this space. So, hey, if you can give me whatever, however many billion dollars to, to spend into researching and developing like quantum hardware that eventually will solve climate problems, the step before you actually attempt to solve any climate problems is like building the hardware that could potentially do it. And by doing that, you'd be directly impacting not only climate tech, but so many problems across the world that require this kind of device to potentially look into and, and solve it in a new way. The more money we have, the more scientists we can employ to work on these important problems in the hardware side. And like the faster we can have the device ready for solving these problems, the climate, climate tech related problems. Quantum technology is a really interesting field that maybe a lot of us heard of because of sci-fi movies. 
But how many of us actually truly understand what quantum computing is? So our last question for Tanisha was whether she thinks enough people are aware of quantum technology, and if not, how can we get more people involved and interested? I, I got interested in the quantum computing field like a couple of years ago, and I remember when trying to learn about it, there was not that many resources available. You know, IBM was just kind of getting kicked off, and and they had some materials, but it's 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 a hard topic to learn and try to understand and grasp if you don't have the background in physics or even computer science. For most people, I can imagine that don't have uh, these types of backgrounds. You know, they'd be like, why do we need quantum computers? What are they going to do for me? There's a huge gap between the kind of work that is being done in the quantum computing field by the experts and what's being communicated to a larger audience that does not have as much of a background. Even though it's a complicated technology, there's, we need more like resources to be able to explain what's happening and and, you know, maybe maybe it's like someone who's uh, 12 years old. Can you explain what quantum computers are to a 12 year old? Um, because if, if like a 12 year old can understand, oh, wow, like this kind of, you know, quantum computer will let me, you know, do a lot of cool stuff in the future. That might push that young child to get interested in studying physics in high school and then pursuing physics later down the road. It's going from, OK, quantum computer was only accessible and understood by physicists and and uh, really like experimental scientists to, okay, now it's being understood by computer scientists and software engineers, but how do we get even, even more closer to, you know, people who have no background at all, you know, the common average person, uh, can you explain what quantum computing is to someone like walking down the street? And I don't think we're there yet. Hopefully in the next couple of years, it becomes even, even better being able to explain what quantum computers are and, and, um, have those types of resources. Let's summarize this episode. Quantum computing has the potential to solve a lot of really cool problems, including problems that we are trying to figure out in the climate space right now. But there is a long way to go before quantum computing becomes mainstream. Lots of research, funding, and development needs to happen in this space before we can actually start to solve all these really difficult problems. And as always, we have some action items for you. Dive more into quantum computing and climate tech. This is a really cool space with a lot of really cool applications. We will provide some links in our show notes so that you can explore more. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Operation Climate. Make sure to subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts so you can stay updated about future episodes. For a full transcript of this episode, head to our website at bit.ly slash Operation Climate Podcast. To stay updated about other Operation Climate things, follow us on our socials. We are at Operation Climate on Instagram and at Operation Climate on TikTok. And we hope you join us next time. See ya!